0: So, if I was starting today as a new solo, I would the do entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial aspect have to
1: change the way that they're practicing. Becoming
0: leader, that they've done earlier. Starting a small firm, means to be Make fulfilled. Make it
1: easy to work with your clients.
0: New approach, new tools, new mindset, new solo. And it's making that leap. Making that leap. Making that
1: leap. Welcome to another episode of New Solo on the Legal Talk Network. I'm your host, Adriana Linares, and today I have a pretty cool, pretty good story to tell with Michael Mendoza, who's an attorney in Orlando, Florida. And before I let him introduce himself, I want to tell you how we met and want to remind um, some of you attorneys out there in attorney land that you can get free consultations with me through a local bar association. So Michael Mendoza is a member of the Florida Bar. And I run the tech support helpline for the Florida Bar. And if you're a member, you can make an appointment and talk to me about technology, mostly is what it's designed to do. But he called, I think, I can't remember actually now, maybe it was about practice management. So Michael and I met through the Florida Bar and we got to talking and I said, hey, you would make a great story for New Solo. But I would thought I would take this moment to remind my listeners that if you're a member of the Florida Bar, the San Diego County Bar, or a sustaining member of the Nebraska bar, you can go to the member benefits pages of any of those bar websites and make an appointment to meet with me for free. Your bar pays for it. So it seems like a great service, right, Michael? Why wouldn't someone take advantage of that?
0: It certainly does. Yeah, you definitely (laughs) should take advantage of it.
1: (laughs) So, thanks so much for coming on and chatting with me today. I loved the story that you, you know, you gave me background when we had our consult which was I'd always wanted my own law firm when I was in law school and that's what I planned for and that's where I am. So, I invited you here to talk to us about being in law school, thinking about starting your firm and then executing. So, I want to start with you just giving us a little bit of background about you, maybe where you're from, what made you decide to go to law school? And let's just start there.
0: Perfect. Yeah. So like you mentioned, my name is Michael Mendoza, right? And I have my own family law practice here in Orlando, Mendoza Family Law. I started it back in 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic, mm. and graduated from law school 2019 here locally at Barry University School of Law. I'm an Orlando native. Spent some time actually out of Orlando, uh, middle school, high school in the Atlanta area. Came back went to college at the University of Florida. And at that time, my wife and I, we got married and she had accepted a contract doing nursing here in Orlando. And that's how I wound up um, going to law school here locally.
1: So, you know, I was raised in Orlando. I I was originally born in Chicago, but we moved to Orlando in 1979. So it's my home. I jokingly call it Borlando, which is why I have a place in New Orleans and spend most of my time in New Orleans, but Orlando is really such a lovely place. It's it's central, it's safe, I think it's very affordable, so I'm glad that you came back to your hometown to start your law practice, and it just seems like such a lovely place to be married and, and raise a family, so.
0: Yeah, it is. It's been a great place to have a family, and for me, it's home too, right? Yeah, so you get yeah. to share in that kind of special sentimentality of raising my own family here.
1: yeah. Okay, so you come back to Orlando, go to law school. Did you always want to go to law school? Or was this something you were just like, ah, I don't know what I'm going to do with this history degree. I'll go to law school. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> so, no, not at all. I mean, I always wanted to go to law school. I wanted, okay. always wanted to be a lawyer. It just, my path was a little bit non-traditional, I guess. is probably the best way to say it. I started dating while I was in college and my undergrad is in business administration. I was working for a great company at the time and was kind of on this path to kind of grow in the human resources department. And I was working in HR management and kind of saw a future for myself there. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of had this crisis right before we got married Mm -hmm. and my wife and I sat down and I was like, I don't know that I really want to do this. And I feel like I'm going to be missing out on kind of this childhood dream of going to law school and being a lawyer if we don't make it happen. And all the credit to her, she sat me down and was like, absolutely, you've got to go do this, right? And her thing is, and we joke about it even today, is like, well, you're definitely not going to go to law school when we have several children, right? So go ahead and get it out of the way. And that's what we did. Well, she sounds
1: amazing and supportive. And it also sounds like you just had that calling, which so many, so many attorneys have just that calling of, I'm going to be a lawyer. Um, Okay. So tell me, how did you, you were married by the time you entered law school, which is, I think, typically unusual unless it's a second career for somebody. And law school is expensive and it's busy. So how did you and your wife financially get through law school? And then I will go ahead and reveal the big surprise. You had two babies while you were in law school. So I just want you to talk to people (laughs) about how you did that, because it just sounds like a lot to take on at such a young age and a young stage in your career and life.
0: Yeah, I mean, by the time that I was actually admitted to law school, my wife and I were already pregnant with our first, right? So my first child was born second week of my first year in law school. But kind of— Yeah, so even before I actually started classes, I was super nervous about whether or not it was going to work. And I remember having conversations with, you know, other law students that had gone to the school to figure out if the school was supportive for families and if it was doable. Oh, smart. And uh, luckily, the school gave a lot of great support in that regard. And I had some fellow uh, alumni who were able to help me out and say, yeah, you know, I kind of did it. Maybe not quite as early on in my first year of law school as you're trying to do it, but it worked for us, and I'm sure it would for you too. But you know, going back to your original question, I was working in human resources at the time for a local company, a nonprofit actually, and I started my first year at Barry doing evening coursework. So I was okay. working full-time during the day, mm-hmm. and I was taking evening classes when my son was born, our first child. And luckily with the company I was working for, I got to take like six weeks of paid paternity leave when my son was born. So it was Nice. nice to do that, learn how to be a dad, help my wife, and at the same time, try to get my arms around this first year of law school. So it was a really great opportunity. So finished the first year of law school. My wife at the time was a nurse working in a hospital, and we decided really towards the end of the first year that I had some internship opportunities and extracurricular opportunities that I wanted to take advantage of. So we made a very intentional decision going into the second year that I was going to leave my full-time job at the nonprofit and go full-time at law school. And we were able to do that. We kind of had to play games, I guess, a little financially, right? To kind of make it work and make ends meet. But it was a really invaluable opportunity um, because, Coming into law school and knowing that I wanted to have my own practice, I wanted to have the opportunity to actually get law firm experience, which I didn't have going into law school.
1: Awesome. Okay. So second year of law school, you quit your full-time job, wife is working, you've got one baby, and you've decided to start your own law firm. What made you think, I'm just going to launch, I'm going to start my own law firm. I'm not going to go work for someone else when I'm done with this crazy three more years of this. (laughs)
0: Well, I knew that I always wanted to have a family, right? I mean, obviously, we'd started so young and right in the first year of law school. So I knew that working 80-hour weeks at a big firm Mm. was not going to be something that I was interested in. Important. Then by the time I got into my first summer term, after my first year of law school, I had the chance to internship with a local family law attorney who was recommended to me by a judge here. And I really appreciated how this particular attorney ran her practice. And awesome. she got to pick and choose her own cases, do things the way she wanted to do that. And that was really appealing to me.
1: That's great. Okay, so you had a good role model who gave you yep. a lot of opportunities, a lot of learning. You and your wife are absolute go-getters. This was not going to... you were Every obstacle that came your way, the two of you figured a way to jump over it. I think that's really important. And I also like what you said earlier, which is I needed to get some real law firm experience because I hadn't had any And that's just, that's a great story for someone who's in law school or soon out to think about. And look, I will tell you, having started my career at two of Florida's largest law firms, which I call empires, right? They were statewide. Now, both of those law firms are actually nationwide, if not global. I don't keep an eye on them. But those big law firms can be really soul-sucking. And I watched so many young attorneys who were my age because— they were coming out of law school when I was starting to work for law firms, just completely lose themselves. Their spirits were crushed having to meet those, I I think it was 1400 hours a year. It's just, it was a lot. So it's interesting that you recognized you were not going to have a lot of freedom if you had gone that path, which by the way, works for a lot of people and there's nothing wrong with it. If you decide to go big firm, So finish telling us how you got through law school and then did anything else monumental happen as you were in your studies to become a successful young lawyer with a big family?
0: Sure. Yeah. So at the end of my first year of law school, I did, I think what every 1L does is write and participate in the oral arguments and as part of your legal research and writing course. And I was involved in this competition and ended up doing really well to the point where our Moot Court Honors Board had asked me to join. Mm. And so I knew it was another reason why I decided to go full-time second year. Excellent. That The only real way that I was going to be able to take advantage of that is if I was going to school full-time during the day. So that was a great opportunity. My first summer after my first year of law school, in addition to doing the internship with the family law attorney that I mentioned before— I was doing my first moot court competition here locally, um, which was great experience. And I knew really from the beginning that I always wanted to be in a courtroom, cool. right? Yeah. Which was another reason why uh, working at a big firm uh, mm-hmm. wasn't going to work for me. And I recognize that a lot of my colleagues uh, have no interest in being in the courtroom and that's a much better fit for them. But I wasn't really interested in, you know, sitting behind the scenes and researching and drafting and never seeing the inside of a courthouse, so going into the second year of law school, I was more involved with uh, national competitions with moot court and really kind of just progressed in doing internships. I had my first one that I mentioned doing family law practice. And then by the end of the second year, I was invited to be an in-house intern for State Farms Legal Department here locally. Interesting. That was an awesome opportunity to work with their litigation team, which really kind of gave me my first job out of law school. So as a result of that internship and a law professor of mine who happened to be a partner at this firm, I kind of decided, you know, before I open out on my own, I probably should figure out what it's like to actually be an associate somewhere Okay, yeah, and get the experience doing the litigation with clients that aren't mine. Right. And so I did that. And I was there for about a year doing insurance defense for a me- medium-sized firm. And I had an amazing opportunity to work for really great lawyers who, you know, the managing partner I still stay in touch with today was a really formative person in the way that I practice and handle a litigation calendar. Very good. But that ended really because of COVID.
1: Huh. Here comes COVID.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I remember, you know, by the time I left that practice, I had probably well over 150 cases I was responsible for, really as a first-year associate. And they were all litigation cases from Tallahassee all the way down to the Keys. Wow. And back pre-COVID, we would travel, right? I mean, a lot of courts weren't open to Zoom or telephonic appearance. So I remember that week in March of 2020— when the Florida Supreme Court suspended all court operations in person, I actually was traveling from Orlando to Miami on three separate days for an 8 a.m. appearance uh, in small claims court. And it was so taxing Mm. because by that time, I now had two children, right? And it was very difficult to to be away, you know, I think from the family. So I remember that Friday of that week after – Coming back and forth uh, between Miami and Orlando, I was sitting in a deposition, and I looked across to the plaintiff's attorney, and we both just kind of had this realization as we watched the entire court system shut down around us. Wow. And I just remember asking him, I said, well, you know, I get why, why you're doing this, but maybe it's time for me to make mm. a change, right? Right. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, I walked away from that deposition and put in my notice. Wow. And started working right away to open the family law practice that I kind of envisioned myself having, uh, just didn't think it was going to happen quite so soon.
1: Mm. COVID worked in mysterious ways. Okay, we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break. Be back with Michael Mendoza. Yes, yes. You have a website, but do you love it? Does it grow your practice? It should look good, it should work for you, and it should be built by people who care. Practice Made Perfect loves making websites for solos, just starting out or market leaders. And their clients love their websites. PMP's average client has been with them for over six years. PMP is perfect for your website. Practice Made Perfect. Visit pmpmgcom forward slash solo. All right, we're back with Michael Mendoza, who owns and runs Mendoza Family Law in Orlando, Florida. And where we left off, Michael had gone through law school, had a couple of um, unusual things happen, have a couple babies and have COVID get in the way. So you decided to launch your own practice. And that's what I want to talk to you about now. When you decided to launch, which sounds like it just happened, one of those moments where the calling said, oh, we're going to change a couple of things up here. And this is what's going to happen to you. You had already been thinking and planning for it anyway. So when you got home and said, all right, well, starting Monday, I'm going to launch Mendoza Family Law. Where did you start? Did you think about where my client's going to come from? What's my technology going to look like? And am I going to have an office, which you couldn't have been thinking about in the middle of COVID? So give us a quick overview of the discussion you had with your wife when you got home and said, okay, here we go.
0: Sure. So I think for contextual purposes, it would be fair to say, I was thinking about this while I was a student in law school.
1: Right, right. Right. I mean,
0: I knew that that's kind of what I wanted to do. So, I mean, I was listening to your podcast (laughs) while I was a 1L or 2L. Love it. Thinking about practice management and doing demos and trying to understand kind of what practice I wanted to have, uh, what that looked like and how I was going to run it. The other great thing is, is the Florida Bar has an amazing resource out there uh, called Legal Fuel. Mm-hmm which is amazing for new solos in Florida. They've got tons of video CLE, a document bank, and lots of great information for people that are interested in opening up uh, or considering opening their own firms. So I leaned really heavily on them.
1: That's awesome.
0: So by the time I had decided that I wanted to get out of doing insurance defense work as an associate and open my own family law practice, I had those resources, and my wife and I already had conversations. So thankfully, it was really no surprise. Right. I think the big change for us was okay, how are we gonna make this work logistically? So by that time, my wife was out of the hospital and she was working part time at home and had her own uh, wedding photography business.
1: Oh, interesting pivot.
0: And so we recognized that that was gonna have to change, right? I mean, I didn't have tons of money saved up to make an initial investment mm. in opening a firm. So, in order to maintain our living expenses and make sure that I was, you know, I didn't fail within the first three months of starting, we decided we need to have her supplement that income. So, she was actually able to get a job working as a nurse from home, uh, again, thank you, COVID, (laughs) where we were able to, you know, get full-time salary with her and insurance and all that stuff. You know, both of us were kind of around the house more. So, while I was working in the background to get the firm up and running, I was also being, you know, Mr. Mom with two kids. And I believe, yep. No, at that time we didn't have the third. You know, it was such a cool experience to like, you know, jump in and really experience them. You know, I was so busy, I think, in law school and my yeah. first job. And I didn't to really enjoy the kids, you yeah. know, as much as yeah. I I could have. So that was an that was another blessing of this opportunity. So I guess going back to what you were asking before. So jumped in and decided, you know, this is how I want to incorporate or organize the business. And I think what was really scary was, I have no idea where I'm going to get my clients from.
1: That's always the main concern for anyone starting their law firm. And I always say to them, they will come. I don't know how you guys do it, but they always come. So let's talk about that real quick, if you don't mind. Um, Because that is scary. So what did you do?
0: So it's a great question because I don't really think that there's anything that I can point to to say, this is what I did. I knew that coming from being an associate at an insurance defense firm, there wasn't anybody that I worked with, both from a collegiate standpoint or from client base that needed help in family law. So when I opened up my own practice, I kind of relied heavily on my relationships from law school, um, the judiciary going to school here locally in the community yep. and people just started to feed me cases and what was really helpful I think for me was I'm bilingual right and yes. so there are a lot of people that speak Spanish that need help yep. with family law and so I was you know a resource for them
1: That's great but and by the way for most young attorneys that's exactly how they end up getting most of their first clients And then that feeds itself is through networks, referrals, family, friends, resources. It's always the answer, everyone. I just want you to know it's always the answer. Yes, you can do some paid advertising. Yes, you can create an Instagram account, a Facebook account, try to become the YouTube legal star. But the answer is always through referrals.
0: And I would say, too, in addition to that, it was really trying to recognize what experience I didn't have, and who I wanted to be, right? So when I first started out my practice, I had no family law clients, obviously. And so one of the first things that I did was I volunteered with the Seminole County Bar Association doing pro bono family law. Excellent. cases. Mm-hmm. So I got some great experience doing that and uh, started getting recognized, I think, in the community for doing that kind of work. And I started to get clients from that avenue as well, I can tell you, as I sit here today, I've never once done a paid advertisement. I've not spent money on, you know, ads or Mm pay-per-click. I don't even think I've even paid anybody to do SEO. And I know that there's a whole opinion on that, right? But, you know, it's been really great. I do have social media accounts, but I'm terrible at it. I'd like to be better at it. Really, it's just kind of been who we know in the community and becoming involved,
1: You know, when I hear stories like that, first of all, I hear them all the time. And that's amazing. And I think, you know, if you did any advertising and if you did any other work, you'd be overwhelmed. You might have too much work is what what tends to be the story when someone does that. Okay. So it quickly ramped up. By the way, it always does. What about, so did you throw a website up right away and did you grab the social media accounts right away to, so that at least you had a place, a website at least for people to land on when they were referred to you?
0: I did. Yeah. I threw a website up right away and got the social media accounts. And the website I did, my first website I did by myself with my wife, who had experience from the wedding photography business. And it was extremely helpful. We got that up. And of course, my website today looks nothing like it did when I first started off, but it's just kind of the way that it works. Yeah.
1: Look, people just want a place to land when somebody says, call Michael Mendoza. They just need to see something that isn't hideous. So, right. <laughs> um, And then you can evolve from there as you, your budget grows. What did you do for basic infrastructure as far as a practice management program? Did you get an answering service? Did you go the Google way or are you a Microsoft 365 user? Give us the basic tech stack.
0: Sure. So started off using Clio for practice management. It was so funny because I didn't have any cases to put in Clio, <laughs> but I knew that <laughs> once, okay. I, once I started, I, I didn't want to have to figure that out after the fact. Got Gmail, and that's, I think, where we have our domain was through Google domains. Google Workspace. hmm And a Google, workspace. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Google, a Google workspace. Yep, that's what it right? I mean. mm-hmm. Google Voice. I had no answering service. I was answering my own phone, yeah. which was not ringing a whole lot once <laughs> I first started. <laughs> and um, Microsoft Office. I mm-hmm. think it's Microsoft 365. Yep. I think that's about it. That's
1: how you start. You probably have Adobe yeah. of some sort, some sort of PDF yes. manipulation tool.
0: Yes, forgot about that. Yeah, I definitely yeah. had PDF. Yep.
1: Okay, well, good. And um tell me about space. so you you launched during Covid, which means you weren't thinking about having an office space. Did you think you would never have an office space? And I will say, because I'm looking at you and you're clearly in an office now. So how <laughs> did you go from, you know, Covid where nobody was having spaces or thinking about them and probably being half glad to not have to pay for the overhead of an office, But how did you transition? And, or when did you decide it's time to get an office? Did you need to get away from all those babies? Cause at this point you've had, you've got four.
0: Yes, definitely. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just so funny. It's, it's a running joke in our house. I'll say, you know, right. Cause I'm my own boss. And for the most part, I have flexibility with my calendar. It's a great reason to have your own practice. Yeah. I will tell you my calendar is a litigation calendar, right? So, I mean, it's not quite as flexible as you might think, but we always joke at home, when I say that I'm going to stay home and work, we know there's no yeah. work happening, right? Too many babies. So that was one of the reasons why I got an office. When I first started off my sure. practice, I kind of had this uh, rose-colored view that I was just going to be the family lawyer without an office, and I would meet clients in coffee shops and stuff like that and come to them with their yeah. issues. And you learn pretty quickly that once COVID was over, that's just not the way that it really works out best in this practice. And so clients, I think, in my area of practice, they look for, you know, trust and sensitivity and, and, and confidentiality. And, you know, one of the reasons for getting the office, aside from trying to get away from all the babies, uh, <laughs> oh. not letting me work, was to provide that uh, sense to Excellent. my clients. In 2020, when I started, I think for several months, up and until the month after my son Elias was born... Right. So March 2021 is when I moved into the office space that I'm currently in.
1: So still in the middle of COVID.
0: Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, in, in Florida, right? So the restrictions were never really that crazy in Florida no, to begin with. It
1: was always like 1999 in Florida. during <laughs> Yeah, COVID. exactly. So, okay.
0: <laughs> exactly. But, you know, there are certain things like um, the court system was using Zoom for hearings pretty heavily. And mediations were occurring via Zoom almost exclusively. And, and even to this day, I mean, yeah. mediations still you know, happen over Zoom. And so I had the flexibility to have a virtual practice if I wanted it. But like I mentioned before, you know, it was getting to a point where if I, I knew that if I wanted to grow and expand, uh, then I needed to have an office footprint.
1: Talk to us a little bit about, are you downtown? Are you outside of downtown? What kind of budget did you have? If you don't mind sort of sharing what it costs to rent an office space in Orlando.
0: Sure. Yeah. So my office space actually picked me. I never really picked my office. Uh, It seems um, like the
1: universe does that to you a lot, Mike.
0: (laughs) It does. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. So um, around the time that my son was born, I had a friend of mine who's also a family law attorney who was renting space uh, from another family law attorney here locally. My office is in Orlando and I know Adriana, you're familiar with Orlando. So my office is in Thornton Park.
1: Oh, lovely. Uh, so you're downtown adjacent. Let me put it that way for everyone who's not familiar with Orlando. You can walk from Thornton Park to the courthouse if you want if you had to. It's a nice walk. So you're downtown adjacent, but you're not in the ho- you're not in high-rise in downtown Orlando. Not that we really have high-rises in
0: Orlando. That's right. Yeah. So I'm in the GAI building, which is I think it's a five or six-story yeah. building mm-hmm. right here in Thornton Park. Yeah. Great. Lovely. So the friend of mine introduced me to this office space and the senior attorney who had his own family law practice here. And I started doing work uh, for both of them on an of contract basis. Wonderful. Um, Gosh. And through that work, I kind of made this great relationship, established this great relationship with who is now my mentor um, and also my landlord, right? And so (laughs) we have a suite of offices where there are probably three or four law firms in total, Mm -hmm. um, where we just share the space and we sublease and, um, it it works out really great.
1: That's wonderful. That's very, very good. You got, you've gotten very lucky. And I think, um, you know, I believe in positive energy and, and all that. And it just sounds like you've made a lot of things happen for you through that. So very, very awesome story. Anything else you want to mention before we move on to our third segment, just about launching your infrastructure. You've got an office now. Any other important technology tools or services that you cannot live without that you want other lawyers to know about?
0: Sure. So I think Zoom, I think you sold me on Text Expander. Right. So that's some (laughs) So now I'm hooked and I can't get away from it. And then can you can you give
1: us an example of the couple things you use it for?
0: Oh, absolutely, Like, what do you have stored in there?
1: To remind everybody, Text Expander is my favorite text snipping, and it can be small snips or big snips of information that expand when you put in a shortcut, like when you type OMW on your phone, it spits out on my way. So what types of things do you as an attorney have inside of Text Expander?
0: Sure. So I literally have— Everything that you can possibly imagine in Text Expander now. I have the team version. So now I have a full time paralegal that works for me that started in May of this year.
1: Oh, excellent.
0: One of the really useful tools of Text Expander that I didn't anticipate when I first got it was consistency in our billing entries Very nice. so I just went in and put kind of our generic how I would usually write time entries and now the paralegal can use those when she puts in her time entries so all of our invoices are consistent or I have long welcome letters that I do to clients and I literally just hit three keys yep. and you get three paragraphs out of it and you can welcome tweak Welcome to it.
1: Mendoza Law, this is how we work, here's how you're going to communicate with me happy to have you as a client kind of thing
0: Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's mostly it. I will tell you that in 2023, so the beginning of this year, I switched from Clio to my case.
1: Okay. Tell us why.
0: Yep. So Clio was really great. It's got an amazing interface. They are everywhere. And I think it had really great utility to it. But after two years of being in practice by myself and kind of coming across my case, which is changed drastically yes. from what I remember them as five years ago, it was really just a much better fit for me in the way that I practice and, and interact with my clients. I think my case is really kind of vertically integrated. You know, they spend a lot of money and time in developing their software so that everything is kind of in-house. Where I think mm-hmm. Clio, one of the advantages of Clio is, is that they use open API and You know, big selling point is, is you can, it interacts with all these other apps. Mm -hmm. You know, my case really kind of checked all the boxes for us and what it had vertically integrated just for my practice.
1: Great. Well, I have loved watching my case develop since LawPay bought it. And I'm assuming that's where a lot of that integration or built in application has come. They now have built in accounting and a lot of other great features. So that's great. Okay. We'll be right back with Michael Mendoza after another couple of messages from some sponsors. Starting your solo practice is exciting, rewarding, and demanding. Alps Insurance understands the unique challenges of startup solo firms. 65% of Alps legal malpractice insurance policyholders are solos, after all. That's why Alps created First Flight, a program supporting new solos by providing affordable, premium pricing for the first three years of practice. Visit alpsinsurance.com forward slash insurance forward slash first flight to learn more. Or just Google Alps First Flight you'll find them. First Flight Program, subject to eligibility requirements. LawClerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with project-based and also ongoing work via subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, law Clerk has a new app for your mobile devices to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code NEWSOLO when you sign up at lawclerk.legal.
0: Hey, Gee, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Gee, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got
1: Okay, we're back with Michael Mendoza of Mendoza Family Law in Orlando. And we've talked about his journey through law school, a little bit of um, big firm experience, and then launching his own law firm during COVID, and all while growing a family. So that's where we started. Now I want to ask you, you mentioned having hired a paralegal in the last segment. I want you to tell us about getting to the point where you needed a paralegal and then budgeting for that. And then does he or she, I think you said it was a she, work remote or are they also in the office with you?
0: Yeah, so great questions. I think that I hired a paralegal a little later than I should have, Mm. right? I I fought the idea of expanding and adding payroll expense and all of that stuff, but I really was inundated with work. And my wife was telling me at the time, you really need to figure out how you're gonna get some support here. And I kind of like ignored her and delayed it and delayed it. And so I started off doing some getting some work from contract paralegals that were experienced, who worked exclusively on a contract basis and were remote. I didn't have a lot of success in that area. I think I tried, you know, several individuals and none of them really worked out. And finally I got so frustrated with not having the right person that I went the non-traditional route of finding someone. So I called up our local paralegal program and the lead of that program, I remembered from my time at the Seminole County Bar Association. And I said, please send me your best student who is interested in family law. And they did. And literally the person that they recommended was the person that I hired and is here today. This was her second career. And so she's you know, really been a great addition to the team. She's learned a lot in a short period of time, and it's been a, a huge help uh, to That's me awesome. and my practice. I yeah.
1: love hearing that. So even though you had hesitated, in the end, it was a very wise decision. And um, is she remote or in the office with you?
0: She's in the office. Uh, we started off with this idea that she could work remote, and we do actually sure. uh, have that flexibility, obviously. Everything's in the cloud. I mean, we use MyCase and Dropbox. Yeah for our client files. So if she wants to work from home, like I think today she actually is, she's not feeling well, she's just working from home. And um, that's been great. I will say, just in response to your question about kind of the expense of it all, right? Because I think that that's really big. I had a lot of great friends here that are colleagues and practice and have larger firms and had been through this. And a couple of them had to grab me and shake me and say, Michael, you don't realize, right, that the way that you do your practice, none of these people are cost centers, right? Right, And so they actually make you money. And I I think I couldn't couldn't wrap my mind around that until I got Rebecca, who's my paralegal, in at the office, and we just kind of started doing it and sending out bills and working together and delegating tasks. And it really is something that – You know, unless you do it, you don't appreciate it. But I'm here to tell you it works.
1: (laughs) Well, and I will say this in response to all that. This is the thought I had. Orlando, and this is every city, town, rural, big or small. Orlando has a great legal community. So when you said, you know, I, I had these friends and these colleagues around and batted ideas around. And somebody shook me and said, I will say, I've always loved the legal community in Orlando, but I just came off of a trip across Nebraska. And whether I was in the big city of Omaha or in the small town of North Platte, they were wonderful legal communities. And so I think that's another thing that I always want to impress upon listeners, especially if they're younger and getting started, you've got to lean in on that legal community. I've never met a shitty legal community. I think it's wonderful. Okay, what do you feel are your smartest decisions you make, and then counter that with maybe a couple of dumb decisions you made that you would love to share with other attorneys so they don't make them or do make them on the good side?
0: So on the best decisions, right, I think it goes back to the point that you just made about the legal community. For me, it was about getting a mentor uh, that knew family law and that was really a consummate, experienced person professional as an attorney. So my mentor is John Foster. He's a great friend of mine. And John runs the Family Complex Litigation and Collaborative Group here in Florida. So he typically handles in his practice, high net worth family law issues. But more, you know, beside that, John is really involved in and got me involved in a lot of statewide and local professional associations, Mm. which has been invaluable. And so for me, uh, he always pushed from the beginning of our relationship, my involvement in these organizations. And as a young lawyer with four kids and a practice, trying to figure out the value, rather I'll say it, trying to appreciate the value of, doing non-billable work after hours away from your family and traveling across the state to do certain things, it doesn't seem like it's very doable or that it has a lot of worth to it, but it has been invaluable for me. So involved here locally in the Central Florida Family Law Inn, the George C. Young American Inn of Courts, and the family law section of the Florida Bar, which has been a great experience for me. I'm involved with several committees on the family law section and was recently named to the executive council.
1: Oh, congratulations.
0: Thank you. But all of that to say is my village is really big. It goes way beyond Florida. So I've developed really great relationships with amazing attorneys all over the state. And so when an issue comes up, I know I can call several people that, you know, can walk me through it or give me some advice and whether it's substantive or just, you know, ethical or, you know, just kind of basic life stuff, right? Love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely the most important decision and the best decision I've made. The worst decision probably that I've made was not paying enough attention to the financials and the bookkeeping from the Mm. beginning. Which is ironic, right? Because my undergrad's in business. Uh, You would think I would be an amazing business administrator. But the truth is, is like from the moment that I opened my practice, all I really wanted to do was just be a really good lawyer, right? And when you're focused on doing that, you don't have time to keep the books and the invoices and much less do you have the attention span for it, I think. And so it was later on in my practice that I found a CPA and a bookkeeping service Great. To maintain my accounts and reconciliation. I'm still working on trying to figure out how to solve the billing solution. Mm. I still do all of my invoicing myself. And with the number of cases that I have, um, it's very tolling to do on a regular yeah. basis. So that's my next thing. But I can definitely say, get somebody who knows taxes, who knows business accounting from the beginning. And get them involved in all of your accounts. Excellent. <laughs>
1: Can I ask you real quick, do you bill hourly, flat, or a mix?
0: So I do a mix, right? Okay. And I, uh, my mix is really kind of just based on the kind of case that it is. Most of the, the areas that I practice in in family law are going to be hourly. And, and I think that's pretty typical. The one area that is usually always flat is domestic violence. When I handle DV cases, I will do those on a flat fee.
1: Excellent. Well, Michael Mendoza, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Such a great story. Look, I can tell you right now, there's going to be listeners out there that are rolling their eyes going, man, this guy got so lucky. (laughs) This is not your typical story. There are, of course, attorneys who have a bigger struggle to get where they are, but they make it. So I just want to say congratulations to you. And really, your wife as a partner in helping you build this life and this practice sounds like really just a, a she sounds amazing and so do you. She so is. thank you so much for coming thank on you. and and telling us all about this. If anyone who's listening wants to find friend follow you or maybe just ask you some questions, how can they reach you?
0: So I think the best place to start is our website, MendozaLawPA.com, or you can follow me on Instagram um, or Twitter, which is now X, right? At Correct. Mendo- Mendoza Law PA is the handle. You can find us there or just send me a message. You can just uh, drop a message on Instagram and we'll make sure that we'll get back to you.
1: That sounds great. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of a busy day. You know, it's attorneys like you that will do that and share their knowledge and experience with everyone who's out there willing to learn and listen that makes this podcast so great so thank you again very much for taking the time thank you for those of you that are listening if you like what you've heard today remember to give us a five-star review on apple podcasts we would really appreciate that and until our next time together we'll see you on new solo i've
0: been running from nine to five been biting my tongue for all this time won't let anyone cut me short